That's an excerpt from Rockpile, wonderful group from the 80s, entitled You Ain't Nothing But Fine. I just love it for the pure riff. And these podcasts are so often simply the uh, collision of a song that suddenly comes into one's uh, mind, heart, feelings with whatever is going on. But something very unusual happened this week, and I want to talk about it in a slightly veiled way, but not too veiled, because in fact it doesn't really have to be veiled. There's no, there's only good to be vouchsafed or to be drawn from its... Uh, description. And something happened that was really quite extraordinary. And the title of the cast is Don't You Care. Now, I was um, sitting down uh, with uh, Fitzsimmons Allison, the retired Bishop of South Carolina, Episcopal Church, and um, Jim Monroe, who is the retired dean of the cathedral in western Massachusetts and is a treasured, treasured comrade, friend, and brother. And we both worked during key years for our lives and out of our families with Fitz when he was the rector of Grace Church in Lower Broadway, New York City. And it just worked out after a lot of hope and desire and prayer and planning for Jim and me both to get to Fitz's retirement home where he is with Martha, his wonderful wife of 70 years, I think it is, plus, and to spend some really... uh, serious time with Fitz, reminiscing, but also talking about many, many things. He's 96 years of age. And during the course of our conversation, which lasted several hours, but it uh, uh, reached a kind of utter and complete uh, pinnacle at the very end of the meeting, which often happens in human interchanges, at the very end of the time, that's when someone really talks. And we were having our sort of final conversation before Jim and I had to leave to go long distances elsewhere. And uh, we were sitting in the upstairs library when Fitz came out with something of extraordinary power and deep emotional feeling, and not just on his part. It wasn't just the sort of sudden seizure by emotion of an older man, but it was uh, seized us all, and it seized me uh, very, very directly, because it was about me, really, and uh, an episode in our ministry together uh, years later at Trinity School for Ministry that... um, was very striking, and uh, it felt to me, and I believe it felt this way to Jim, that God spoke directly in the midst. We had had a long, far-reaching discussion about all sorts of common interests and common people and common histories and common events, and then almost out of the blue at a time of relative uh, relaxation and when the defenses were down in the right and good way, um, 
something came out that was of extraordinary power. <clears throat> and it had, to me, the absolute earmarks, the decisive earmarks of a direct word from God, as in the text from First Thessalonians, where St. Paul, early in his ministry, says to his flock in Thessalonica, where Mary and I just were with a lovely group of people recently, and he said, um, what I was saying to you, brethren, was not the opinions of men, but the pure word of God. Not the opinions of men, but the word of God. And that's what happened. Now, what was interesting about it, I put on Instagram. No, I didn't put on Instagram. I did that too. But I sent a picture of the moment, which just about, because someone else was there and did take a picture before it got really, really serious and remarkable and Pentecostal in the true sense of the word. <clears throat> someone took a picture by chance just before that event, like five seconds before. And um, I sent this picture to a whole bunch of people who... Um, love fits and know me and hopefully love me and Jim. And um, I said this was just before God spoke directly. And although I got lovely responses from the people to whom I sent it, no one um, asked the obvious question. No one. And I, I don't know whether people are intimidated or whether they're busy. And I understand it. It's happened before. The obvious question was, what did he say? What did God say? That would be the obvious question, because if it was God, and I believe it was God, I'm telling you, dear listener, that God, in my opinion, spoke directly to me and to a few other people, directly, like unmediated, not through representational means, not through metaphors or paradoxes or human instruments or the bread and wine, but directly from God. And um, no one wrote me back and said, what did he say? Now, I wouldn't have actually probably told them, and maybe they were, <clears throat> you know, there may have been reasons why people didn't write back, but I thought to myself, isn't that funny that no one wrote back? Why didn't no one write back and say, at least ask, what did he say? I would think the whole world, if you believe in God, would, if you actually believed that God had spoken, you'd want to go in the same way that people visit, uh, you know, the Holy Land, and not today, but many times in our lives, uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem or the uh, Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem where we believe that God spoke directly or the Sinai, the not Sinai, but the Ten Commandments. Wouldn't you do anything to go? That's what pilgrimage, to quote Chaucer, was all about. You went to where God had been in your understanding. You limited, obviously, mediated in many ways, humanly incarnated, but nevertheless, you'd go. You'd go from Russia to Jerusalem to find out. I've made pilgrimages in my life. Surely you have. You've been to rock concerts. You know, you've traveled probably 500 miles to visit some rock band that you adored and were having a reunion concert somewhere. But no one asked me. Now, similarly, this uh, podcast is not just about that, but it is starting. The presenting symptom is, why did no one ask? And the same <clears throat> um, thing had happened to me recently. And then, by the way, I will get to what was said, but I won't go into the details yet. That's really another cast, but I'm not going to shrink away from that. At some point, I, uh, I, I don't think anyone has anything to lose to hearing what Fitz heard God say, or rather what I heard the Lord say through. Fitz's heart, mind, and words. Um, I think I've said to you before that an old college friend, someone I knew very well and whom I deeply admired and respected, even though I hadn't seen her for many years in the flesh, I deeply admired and respected a particular individual from my college years. And um, 
The night that she died, she appeared to me. I didn't know that she was dying. I hadn't seen her for years and years. And uh, I had absolutely no idea that she was, her life, her human physical life was uh, being ended, was ending, that she was going to the father, that she was dying that night. I had no idea, but she appeared to me directly. And uh, later to my uh, unbelievable uh, taking in of this majestic, uh, unique fact that this person had appeared to me directly, I didn't know that she was in the act of dying. She'd appeared to me probably uh, a couple hours after she died. And uh, this has happened before with another good friend, but it happens very rarely, but it happened unmistakably. And I <clears throat> told the persons, uh, uh, one of her adult children and uh, uh, someone who'd been married to her once, whom I knew fairly well once, and uh, passed the word along. I said, you know, she appeared to me directly, and no one followed up. I even expressed this to her, one of her siblings, all older people now. N none. Nobody asked. Well, what did she say? What do you mean? I mean, I told them. I, I had the distinct impression they thought I was foolish, or that I thought I was crazy, or that I was, it was some kind of bizarre and ridiculousness. But then I thought, well, if, if I loved, let's say if Mary died, if she were to die, and then someone over across the street, or in uh, Winnetka, or in Winter Garden, Florida, or in uh, Bedford, New York, said, you know, Mary appeared to me. I mean, I would, if it was anybody that I had any respect for, and probably even if not, because I'm open to it coming through an odd fellow, I would have gone immediately and said, what did you say? Remember when um, Anne Charters, who's the great biographer of Jack Kerouac, she was visiting, uh, I believe it goes this way, she was visiting, I'm a fan of hers, although I don't know her personally, she was visiting Notre Dame, Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, where Kerouac had spent some time, actually, and I think Kerouac had had a sort of a kind of a good experience, an interesting experience in Notre Dame. He may have written about it in a journal, but um, I believe somebody, Anne Charter's husband or someone like that, was in Notre Dame and had an uncommon intuition that Kerouac was perhaps somehow there, or his spirit or his presence was uh, able to be felt in some way. And whoever it was that told her, when Professor Charters heard this, she was visiting, she ran over, hu hustled, hurried over to um, Notre Dame and uh, waited. I think she she spent two days sitting in Notre Dame, waiting with expectation, with great expectations for her uh, great uh, hero, whom she had met in the very closing days of his life, personally, and um, waiting for him to, to, to speak. She took it so seriously. Well, no one took my, um, my words that God spoke directly through Fitz. I mean, maybe they did, but I haven't heard it. And I do, again, understand people would say, oh, my gosh, he's just being himself again or something. But, but I would have, if I had care, I would have thought, like Ann Charters, I would have rushed. And when uh, the uh, families and friends of my um, old college friend who had appeared to me as surely as I'm sitting right here speaking, um, I would have thought at least they would have said, well, what did, what did she say? Or, 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 what, what, was, what, what, what was the emanation that was given off? But no, um, don't you care? Don't you care? I mean, I, I, that's what was extraordinary. But let me just talk just a little bit about it. Think about it, by the way. If don't you wouldn't you care enough if it were your child who'd been killed in an automobile accident, or your beloved wife who had died after uh, 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 
reincursion of breast cancer, regression, recurrence, or um, your very best friend had uh, finally died of Parkinson's, which, by the way, every single man I know, half of my contemporaries, male contemporaries, seem to have Parkinson's or about to get Parkinson's or in the later stages of Parkinson's or it's just about to hit time for a wheelchair. I mean, this is unbelievable. I've just been at a reunion of uh, of college friends of mine uh, and uh, 55 years of age, and so many of these, these are all men in this case, they all have, not many, but so many of them have incipient, early, mid, or late Parkinson's, and the number of wives who have, the hundreds of thousands of wives who are having to give all their energies and care after many, many years of marriage, but to a man who can't do anything for himself physically, he's completely out of commission, and he certainly can't even speak or think. That's uh, another thing. Don't. When are we going to start taking that seriously and realizing that we are living in an epidemic situation of Parkinson's? Uh, again, I had a dramatic instance of it on Saturday in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. But back to you. Um, what did he say? How did I know it was of God? And why is it worth caring? Well, I won't go into details, as I said, but he, <clears throat> it was clearly of the Lord. Suddenly, in the middle of uh, a relatively en passant conversation about some books that we saw on the table, because it was a lot of theological books, wonderful books, wonderful books, or some individual whom we had known, and we were talking about how that person's ministry had gone, all very positive, and suddenly the main person uh, broke into tears and described a wrong that he witnessed having been done to me, yours truly, the author of PZ's podcast. And it wasn't... um, he had spoken about this once before, I remember, but not with a feeling and not with the details. He then, and he's 96, but he he began. He talked about the details of what had happened. And again, it's nothing. It was um, it was uh, a Machiavellian. Uh, I guess the old-fashioned word is plot to uh, to um, get me out of a job that I had taken in good faith, and. Um, it was uh, primarily, without question, a theological issue. The, um, a group of people absolutely, not only did they uh, detest the board of the school for having appointed me, but more importantly, or more importantly to the case, they detested what they regarded as my theology, a theology of grace. They detested it. I remember one years before I'd been said, Paul, we all think that you are... Um, uh, long on grace but short on law. In other words, they wanted it's the old thing, you know, the antinomian thing, which is simply not the case. It's not it's not it's simply not true. It's a misconstruction. But um he then began to name names. He said, Well so and so and so and so and so and so did so and so and someone else so and so and so and so and I barely and here I'm seventy two, I'm not ninety six, and a ninety six year old is telling me names and then he says, You were uh, you, you 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 were totally done an injustice. He said it was an injustice of the highest magnitude. And I said, well, um, it did It did uh, sideline me for at least 10 plus years, at least right at the height of my ability to try to do something for the gospel in the church and through the church. And he said, and then I said, you know, it actually, it almost destroyed my life. It destroyed my confidence. It came, it hit me at the deep, amidships in the deepest place. And then he said, he said, yes, I know, I know. 
And, and then he said more about his own part in it, which was innocent, obviously, and defended. But it was suddenly I was being given a radical justification. It's what happens when people are justified by faith. It, it wasn't either, I mean, both and. It wasn't, well, it's nuanced, it's complicated, you made some mistakes too, they were wrong, but you made... It wasn't. It was an entire 100% affirmation of the ministry I had. And then he did something else, I have to tell you. He... he, he went to his study just next door, sort of hobbled over to his study, pulled out a piece of paper, and he said, I keep the names. I said, what do you mean? He said, I keep the names of all the best clergy in the church right now. He said, people send me the names of the people who are really preaching the gospel, and I have a list of names. And he read the names, and he said, everyone is a student of yours or as someone who is directly part of your ministry, or an assistant of yours, or someone who came out of your ministry. I said, that's not, that's not, he said, yes, he said. But I mean, it was the either or, the names, these are good names, wonderful names. Some of you know them, you know them all. He said, it was all because of your ministry, and yet you were completely and totally destroyed by mean-spirited, angry people uh, who could not abide your approach to the Christian faith, your ministry, and decided to take you out. I mean, what did that do? It, 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 it was like it opened up a chapter, but not in a wrong way. Don't you wish that would happen? I mean, don't you wish that when you, because everybody listening to this has been wronged. I mean, we, a lot of the wrongs we do, we do to ourselves. And a tremendous amount of life is self-damage, and the will is bound, and we cannot help ourselves. We constantly self-sabotage and shoot ourselves in the foot, as the old thing goes. But every so often, there might have been a situation where someone really had it out for you, for reasons that had nothing to do with you. It could have been a relative. It could have been having to do with money. It could have had to do with some a grievance that somebody else had committed for which you were symbolically the cause or something like that. It happens in Dickens novels all the time when innocent parties are pay the penalty of someone else's sin. But um, for this uh, person to speak this word of a radical justification after years and years of injury, and I, not that I lose a lot of sleep over it, but it did destroy my ministry ex officio. Uh, on the surface, it, I mean, I'm still a fully kosher, absolutely, um, you know, on the books, legal clergyman and have been and always will be and expect to die that way. But nonetheless, it, uh, my morale was damaged to a fatal extent, to a fatal extent. And there was. Boy, now that was of God. So what I'm trying to say to you is when this was not expected, it was a hundred. I'd heard this particular person once before get emotional on the subject, but I'd never heard him get authoritatively emotional. In other words, emotional, but authoritative. And when he said, here's the list. Unbelievable. Now, this means that God can speak. God can speak to you. Now, what has to happen, you have to kind of be ready for it. You have to be ready for it. Basically, you have to be stripped down. You have to be ready. For some reason, uh, we were ready. We'd sort of done our process thing, and we'd done all that, uh, and now we were ready to hear something. Uh, but it was the Word of God, and the Word of God can come to you as directly as it did to me on Sunday, and that's the point of my talk. And if you don't think this is important, well, as um, what did uh, Rod Stewart used to say, I'm just about to sing Maybe I'm Amazed by Paul McCartney he said in 1971 and he said and if you haven't heard this song before I don't know where you've been uh, he spoke as an Englishman not as whatever I was trying to do in hybrid fashion if you haven't heard this song before I don't know where you've been well if you don't care 
about the fact that God can speak to you directly and in words in something outside yourself which comes in through, came in through the back door window. That's the power of what we are talking about. Love you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.